What's up, beautiful people, and welcome to Shortcast. I'm your host, Caleb, and with me today, the American psycho himself, Kevin. Say hello. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, guys. Oh, that was brutal. You got me. Maybe someday you guys will heal it. Well, maybe someday you guys will hear that story. I'm tongue-tied already four seconds in. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, listen, if you guys enjoy what you hear this episode, please go on over to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star rating, and if you're kind enough to accompany it with a review, we'll give you a shout-out and we'll read it on the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email at shortcastpod at gmail.com or get at us on the tweets at shortcastpod. We'd love to hear from you. You can listen to Shortcast on our website at shortcastpod.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, the list goes on and on. That being said, let's move on over to the first segment of the show we like to call the catch-up. Kevin, what have you been up to lately, bud? Uh, you know, just been a lot of the same, just a, a lot of Zoom calls, dude. I'm starting to get in touch with some clients, which is nice. Um, trying to stay in shape, but I, I just feel like the pounds are exponential at this point. Uh, Coda playing some video games the other night. I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2, and uh, I caught a, a shirtless shot of myself in the mirror when a screen turned black, and it, it was a bit painful. I'll be honest. I was like, oh! <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah, I, it's tough. It's really, it's really tough. I, more or less the same working remotely, um, f- just a few days a week right now. Um, trying to just keep busy, trying to stay focused each day, doing some freelancing, which is great. And, uh, the workout thing's been tough. It's, it's, I'm having trouble finding the motivation and it's really killing me because it's so nice out now. So it's like, you know, the birds are chirping, you got that, that fresh summer air coming in and and you just, you feel it in your soul. Like you want to get out there and do stuff. But during the week, unless it's the weekend and I'm going for a hike, I just, I haven't found the time. I haven't been committed. Yeah. I I definitely was struggling with that for a while. And what I kind of just found is like the moments when I was just sitting there thinking on the couch, like, man, I should be exercising right now. Even though I'm not like mentally prepared, I would just like throw the running shoes on and go out and just do it. And it, I mean, it definitely helped and you always feel better afterwards, of course, but it's like just that action of not giving yourself enough time to think about it and come up with the mental barriers and excuses has helped me just actually exercise. So it's not been like every day, but every other day I get some form of workout and doing that. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm usually better than this. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in my, in my ability to get that motivation to just go and do lately. I mean, like I've been, it's almost like I've shifted that, that inspiration to like what, when I'm, what I'm doing here inside as I'm working, doing freelancing or whatever, Uh but it's like, it's like I've gained it there and I completely lost it on the other end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Cause I've, I've not been putting 110% into work to say the least, because it's like, how many just voicemails can you really get? Like nobody's in their offices and I'm just shooting out emails with no response. And I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, uh, I'm going to take it easy. And instead, you know, play some video games at, you know, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't say, doesn't sound bad. It's 12 o'clock somewhere, right? Yeah. So uh, we actually met up for the first time in, uh, how long has it been? Like, since I've seen you not through a screen. <laughs> Probably <laughs> literally eight weeks, nine weeks. Oh, I think it's a long time. Yeah, it was a, it was a long time. It was, it was funny when I first showed up at Al's to start doing the work. 
I like came with the mask to see like, you know, you don't know what people are thinking, where their minds at as far as like the etiquette goes and their concern. And I woke up with the mask. No one has a mask on. And I was like, oh, God, thankfully, I don't have to wear this thing. I just sat it down and everyone actually looked at me funny because I had the mask. But it's like if you go somewhere and you don't have the mask and you're that person without the mask, then you get all the stares. So now it's almost like something you have to carry with you everywhere you go, regardless. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. <laughs> yeah. I, the mask thing, it, there is a weird middle ground between the etiquette and like, I, I don't know for me, it's just become, it's become, I still feel very strongly about doing your, social duty of just being precautious, you know, keeping your hands clean, wearing gloves when you can, wearing a mask when you can, when you're in public, or if you know that you're going to be anywhere around people where they don't have, a, you know, a choice as to being around you or not, because that's how you keep the thing from spreading. But I've started to ease up a little bit when it comes to, you know, close family, close friends, people that if, if you have a mutual understanding and you understand everyone is being diligent, you know, at a certain point, you can't let the family connections go to the side. And you got to find the happy medium here with what's actually going on and how dangerous it actually is. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the the reality is, is when people start to slip and those social norms start to come back is when it's going to make a resurgence. So it's like, you, you kind of have to, you know, when you're going to the grocery store and you're forced to be out, be around like dozens and dozens of complete strangers or hundreds, you know, depending on where you are, you have to kind of wear the mask and do the right thing. But if I'm just walking from my apartment door to my car, I'm not going to wear a mask. Maybe I come across one person, it's in the open air and we're 50 feet apart from each other. I'm not stressing the mask. It's finding that middle ground where, you know, you can still kind of feel normal, but you're still doing the right thing. Absolutely. I, I don't see any better way to navigate this at this point. I'm I'm not ignorant enough to think that this is over because it's yeah. not. Uh, unfortunately, it's not. We're not going to get bogged down with all the, the, the darkness of the coronavirus again. But, uh, but it's interesting because we're all experiencing this transitional period where it's like, you know, every week the info changes, every, every week the numbers change, every week our daily lives change. But if I can stress something enough to anyone and, um, I'm debating on labeling this episode episode 2.5 because a little backstory, we actually recorded our second episode. The gods were not the, the podcasting gods were not with us as they were in the first episode we recorded. And due to technical difficulties, we could not salvage the audio. Um, yeah, the woes of podcasting. It happens to everyone. So we just kind of we just we took it on the chin and uh, and, and we, we we sculpted a new episode for you guys. So we're sort of touching on a couple little things here and there that are the same. But uh, that's why we're a week behind. So we do apologize. However, I cannot stress enough. As time moves on, please, you know, within safety and depending on the particular uh, health of the person that you're visiting in your family, you have to be, you have to be aware of that. So, you know, obviously elderly people, any, anyone with major health complications, do the right thing, stay distance from them, but within the means and safety of your family, go and see the people that you love. If everyone is under, you know, the same circumstances of being diligent on their own, if you can trust them and, and, you know, you know that they're doing what they can when they can, you got to see your family. That's that's the first that's the first step towards normalcy here. It's hard. 
it's hard to not see the people that you love and, and your closest friends for months on end, obviously. You know, it has a mental yeah. effect on you. Yeah, you kind of feel like isolated in this weird sense where even though you've probably talked to them on the phone and things like that, you just kind of feel like this this very lonesomeness that comes along with people who are generally social. You know, you might be one of those people who doesn't have a particularly active social life or something like that, and, and you might not feel this as much as others. But for people who are generally social people and like to be around everyone else, you know, this has been a somewhat difficult time for everybody. Uh, and it's pretty much everyone I talk to from, you know, all different walks of life. And, you know, no matter where they live, you know, family in Pennsylvania or up here, wherever it is down in, you know, South Carolina, everyone's kind of having this this feeling where even, you know, on the day to day, they just don't feel like they're getting enough interaction with other people. It's just it's very strange for, for most of us. Yeah, this, it's a, you know, I, no conspiracy. I'm not going to go into conspiracies, but. Either way, it's almost like it's almost like a, a, either a natural or a man-made social experiment. I'm not getting into any conspiracies. I'm not going to lean one way or the other. But when people are forced to isolate this much in in the world that we live in, where it's easily accessible to just go to a bar in an Uber or go here, go there, fly here, do this, it's really interesting when all of a sudden no one can do that. Like it, it it's kind of funny. It's like it's we're becoming more intimate with each other in certain ways when it comes to like, you know, wow, I really miss this person. Let me go out of my way to Skype them or Zoom them or text them mm -hmm. where we'd be in the normal weekly grind and we know we can just see them on the weekend four days yep. from now. But the reality is we, you know, every day is precious and I feel like we're going to be better as a whole after this. I, I think we are. I, I hope we are. Um, if we can stay safe, stay healthy, I understand, you know, I, I do feel greatly for anyone who has lost a loved one during this and it has absolutely happened. Um, but once we're past the hardship, I think as a society, we might, we might be just a little bit closer. Yeah, I think so. And I think people are going to really get a taste for like just how frail the society that we've put together is and how, you know, it's so easy for us to lose it. And on top of it, just just how lucky we are to be, you know, living during a period of time where we have all these luxuries. I mean, even if you put less than 100 years ago, the world was a completely different place, you know, a completely different time. And we don't have all these luxuries that have been taken away from us that so many people are complaining about. Like, we're fortunate just to have these things. These are luxuries. I think people need to remember that moving forward, not just right now. Yeah. I agree with that. So on to some lighter stuff. Uh, what are you What are you sipping on today, buddy? Because I know um, you got something. Oh, man. So this time uh, I'm with a Victory Sour Monkey Sour Triple. It's about 9.5% alcohol by volume. So if you haven't learned, I, I happen to, you know, lean towards the heavy stuff. I just can't help myself. And <laughs> if you would have heard last time, I had a Noah's Mill. That was about 57% alcohol. <laughs> And uh, I'm pretty sure the reason Caleb scrapped the last podcast wasn't because of the audio. I'm pretty sure that things started to get a, a, a little dark on the end there. I'm not quite sure, but. Yeah, the audio was was crystal clear. Some of the best we've ever recorded, but <laughs> I had to I had to scrap it. I had to quality control it, people. <laughs> no, 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 no. The short cast, the short cast will never, will never censor its drunk, the drunkness of its hosts ever. Oh, man, that, that's a little dangerous. 
I have to remember that. <laughs> so how about you? What are you sipping on? Uh, so today I am sipping on another sloop beer. It is a, oh, I don't have the can with me. I screwed up. Noob mistake. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's, it's one of their New England IPAs. Oh, you know what it's called? It's a mosaic bomb. That's what oh, it is. Oh, mosaic cops. Yeah, th- those are delicious. They have the weirdest names to everything, so it's it's hard to differentiate sometimes. The, the one thing I do love their beer. The one thing is all of their IPAs, they kind of taste like the same IPA. I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of just how IPAs work, but they're all good. So I can't complain. And they literally, I said this last time, they deliver to me in an hour. And I'm like, oh, yeah. how does it get any better? Yeah, I'm, and why even try another brand when you literally have the brewery down the street and they'll get it to your door in an hour. You don't even have to do anything. That's how I feel. Yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a diehard sloop fan. So as soon as they open back up and well, maybe not as soon as they open back up, but as soon as things are are, are back to safely going and drinking with friends in public, I will be at Sloop Brewing. You can bet. Yeah, I I, I want to check them out when we're back. maybe maybe we'll go together. That'll be one of our first events. Yeah. Yeah. Hold we'll hands, hands be cute. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh man oh man oh man we've uh we've synced up over the airwaves people we are now one <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's been the catch-up so next we're going to move into a segment we like to call under the magnifying glass in under the magnifying glass me and kevin pick a topic it could be something socially awkward something that irks us something that bothers us in daily life. Maybe we overheard a conversation. Maybe we have weird neighbors, which is this week's <laughs> topic. Uh, yeah. So th- this is something, aside from the sentences we were just finish- finishing of each other's a-, a few seconds ago, this is something that we are both level on. Kevin, what is your weird neighbor's story? Okay. I mean, I, I could probably do a whole episode on this, but let me get down to the most most recent weird neighbor um, interactions I've had. So my apartment is basically, you know, you go into the entrance. It's a it's a thin walkway and then it's basically like a three and a half, four foot wide stoop and it's got four doors there. We all share the entrance and I go out there and they've set up a card table and lawn chairs. They're all hanging outside with their... Uh, let me hold on. Let me get this right. I think they have a bearded dragon, uh, two hamsters, I think two cats, uh, and they're just having, you know, it looks like a barn outside of my front door. And it's literally, I'm, they're not out of the way. I'm like stepping out in between the gerbils. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, they're nice people, but it's just, uh, the the white trash just emanates off of them. It's it's crazy. Oh, man. It's not good when you are liable to crunch a hamster leaving yeah. your house. Yeah, exactly. And it's and I mean, this is like all hours of the day too. We're talking like they get out there before I get up for work. Like they're up with the sun and they're out there until the sun goes down with with all these animals and everything. It's 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 crazy. I just don't even know what to think. Dedication, man. <laughs> Dedication. Yeah. <laughs> what Okay, so there's a stereotype for everything. And we're white. We can we can comment on white trash very exclusively. What makes white trash white trash? Why 
like I've heard people refer to people as white trash because of the weirdest reasons. But as soon as they say it, I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. I, yep, yep. That's sounds right to me. What, where did this, how, how did such a fine tuned understanding for what white trash is come to be? I think it's because like white trash really put themselves out there. Like they're, they're like constantly in your face. Like that, that's one of the characteristics of it is like they're where you don't want them to be and they just pop up and they force themselves upon you. Like you, you, you go out to take the garbage out. And if you're anything like me, your, your neighbor's out there in his underwear taking his garbage out. Like the, these are the type of things they do. No shoes, no shoes, no socks. Oh, no shoes? No shoes, no socks. Oh, come on, man. Definitely no you, mask. You, listen, you can feel the breeze on your winky, but put some shoes on. I just, I, I don't even know what to make of it. The other thing I would say is dirty. That's like definitely a characteristic of white trash. Like, extraordinarily dirty and everything is cluttered yes clutter clutter that's a big one that's a big one if there was a checklist clutter would be up there yeah for sure yeah so well i can't say i've seen anyone in their underwear shoeless lately thank god (laughs) but but what i will what i will say so i've got a little a little story a little a little saga that's been going on next door to me so we live in it's it's pretty nice. It's not they 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 take good care of the ground. I feel like a way that you can kind of like get a gauge on a on a townhouse sort of area or a condo sort of living space is how well does the the company that owns where you live take care of the grounds. So I grew up when my when I lived with my parents, we lived in the t- the townhouses, you know that. Um And they never took care of anything. Everything was always in disarray. There were always kids yelling and screaming right behind your house as you were trying to enjoy like, you know, an outdoor dinner, something like that. It was just constant chaos and just Mm -hmm. broken shit everywhere. And the place was not a dump. It wasn't the nicest place ever, but it wasn't a dump. But here, um, our apartment is privately owned. So... It's actually pretty it's actually pretty nice. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, but the grounds themselves are really well taken care of for the most part. Almost every single day, now that I've been home consistently, I will see the groundskeepers going around, working on things. Like they remulched as soon as the the first solid two weeks were like, you know, without snow and rain. They went out, they mulched everything, they were chopping down dead trees. Every single week, like on the dot, I think it's like every Tuesday, they're out there mowing at 8 a.m. Shout out to you guys because you always wake me the fuck up. Oh, my God. Same over here, dude. I It's like I appreciate you cutting the grass, but do you need to start that early? And it's like they're always at your window at 8 a.m. They're never yeah. like off in the distance. They're like always under your window. It's like yeah, they it's started like, up there. It's like I got grass growing out from my windowsill. <laughs> like the dude's weed whacking my window pane. Like what? Mm hmm. I don't get it, but, but you know what? It's, you know, American problems. They're, they're taking (laughs) care of my, of my grounds too early in the morning, but (laughs) (laughs) how dare they? First world problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, they do a great job here. I think that's a really good way to get a gauge on like what you're dealing with and what, what type of like potential people could be living next to you. But we have a quad. So you walk in, it's, it's a nice open space. And then you you walk up the stairs. I'm on the top floor, and then we have a a, a nice um, middle aged woman right ac- excuse me 
we had a nice middle-aged woman that lives right across from us. She has a dog, never hear the dog. The dog is absolutely awesome. So I've got no issues with this woman at all. She's a sweetheart. Uh, when we, me and my girlfriend first moved in, she used to actually be friends with the people that lived in our apartment. So she actually, we have lost, we have locked ourselves out of our apartment. I think about four or five, six times now, like, like individually. And she actually used to live with a roommate before I moved in and they did it each like once or twice. Yeah. So when we first moved in, uh, the lady across the we were so desperate to get into our apartment. We're like, what do we do? So I don't know why. I don't know whose idea it was, but we knocked on her door or she came up the stairs and was like, what's wrong, guys? She had a key to our apartment. Okay. Which I'm glad I found that out because that's a little weird. But I guess what happened was my landlord never changed the lock. So she was friends with the people. They must have given her a spare because she was going over there or taking care of things when they were gone, whatever. And she had one. So it worked out great when we got into our apartment. So she's like done all this cool stuff for us uh, every now and then. Well, a couple months ago, we started to realize like a new a new guy hanging around. And it seems like it's going down a really dark, dark like actually, rabbit hole where like like I just I, this is like how a scary movie starts. Like you just you come home <laughs> yeah. and there's a guy with an axe standing in your kitchen. He's just really wet for no reason. And you're just like, <laughs> what the fuck? The same the same way clutter is a, is a definite sign of white trash. The unbeknownst wetness of a person <laughs> yeah. is, is the sign that you're probably going to die tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Good call on that one. So so the way this works, so we see this guy coming around. We're we're like, you know what? Good for her. She she's a single lady and she's a nice lady. Why you know, maybe she's got a boyfriend now. Good for her. Well, we start to get some glimpses of this guy. We start to kind of hear his voice. He's sounding pretty worked over. All right. So my white trash meter starting to the the, the little dial, it's starting to mm-hmm. kind of like the Twitter around a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna try to be positive about this. Whatever. I don't think she'd date someone that was like a white trash washed up loser. Well, it winds up this dude is not her boyfriend. She did a favor for someone for his mother. Now, this dude is legitimately balding. I would put his age at roughly 42. I'm usually pretty good with that, but I'm talking a pretty worked over 42 years old. Like this dude has drank too much, done some, he's got some miles on him. And I call him Eminem because he wears <laughs> up up until <laughs> up until the temperature spiked recently. The dude is wearing like the three sizes, two big jeans. He's got one day. I shit you not. I watched from my window as his mother brought him. She pulled up in like this nice little like Toyota, new Toyota Camry, like all clean as can be. She's she's an elderly lady, got out of the car, hobbled to the trunk, opened the trunk, and then proceeds to take stacks and stacks of Jordan boxes out of her trunk and then bust them into the into the apartment building up to the lady who's housing this dude. So this dude has spent whatever money he currently has 
on shoes walks around in one of those like beanies with the brim on it like i'm talking the shit that i used to wear back in 19 yes no no i, know. I can't go that far the back soft knit with the, the shallow <laughs> brim yeah boy oh man he was Shout a skater to, boy that's what that yeah, reminds we're da- me of. We're, we're dating we're dating ourselves here but so he wears like that whole garb and 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 he you know so i call him like eight mile that's kind of oh, like the, the the name i've given him and i don't mean to be rude but I, listen if you make yourself known enough to me I'm sorry. You're going to be judged. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to go out of my way. I'm not going to go out of my way. And I am not a perfect person. I'm not. But if I hear your conversations outside my window, I hear you yapping. I can literally tell in plain of day that you're dealing drugs around the park I live in. I'm going to call you out. Like I'm going to, I'm going to start to call you a nickname. I'm going to deem you white trash. So what kind of drugs is he dealing? Cause you know, it's, it's been hard times over here. I'm here for the same reason you is, man. I want some crack. <laughs> crack. You know, what time is it? It's five o'clock. Did I miss a five o'clock free crack giveaway? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Caught you off guard. <laughs> so after the show, I will, uh, I, I'll, I'll text you about that. But uh, we're not going to do that on air. <laughs> so this dude moves in. So he, like, all right, whatever. Great. Now I got to have this riffraff coming up and down my stairs. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So you let it go. It goes on two, three, four, five, six weeks. Now it's like this is just daily life here. The dude's the dude doesn't have a job. He's walking around outside. Well, long story short, I got woken up at 3 a.m. the other night because this dude was wandering around up and down the stairs, which he doesn't know this. Unbeknownst to him, the wall that is the stairs, it's our bedroom headboard. Ugh. So I hear this dude, whatever. So I get up, I go out and I, you know, I look through my peephole. Well, he's standing facing the neighbor's door with his back to me, to my door as I'm staring at him in the peephole. And I'm like, what the hell is this dude doing? So, and if anyone knows me, I get a little GI Joe with this stuff. Like I'm very, gotta be one step ahead of everyone, you know, like, like I, I need to know what's going on here. Because because if, if Vietnam's got to happen, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to go. Paranoid. Paranoid. <laughs> yeah, what I just said in three sentences, you said in one word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you should have seen your face. It made it much easier for us. If, if For the listeners out there, when someone <laughs> starts giving you those big eyes, like they're watching all around them. <laughs> it's like, uh, all right, bro, you're paranoid. We get it. We get it. Well, you know, some say paranoid, some say prepared and ready for anything, but (laughs) to each his own, tomato, tomato, drink your beer. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm watching this dude as he proceeds to walk back down the stairs at 3 a 330 in the morning, make more noise, let the door slam, walk out into the middle of the street, disappear into the shadows down the street, come back out of the shadows, walk into another apartment building, walk out of that apartment building, walk into another apartment building, walk out of that apartment building, then walk back into my apartment building. Like, dude, why? Like, I, I, I didn't get it. We found out later on that our neighbor locked him out. Oh, God. <laughs> because she was sick of doing her good deed. She gave him a heads up plenty of times. And I guess that you just decided, you know what? I'm not done mooching yet. I'm going to keep mooching and whatever. 
Well, guess what? Here's a little, here's a little, uh, a public announcement for all of you, all of you people out there doing things like this to other people. Um, if, if you're going to decide you're not going to move out of someone's apartment when they ask you to move out of their apartment that you're not paying rent for and you're living in, you better gosh darn make sure you have a motherfucking key to the apartment because you're going to find your ass locked the fuck out. Ugh. New mistake, man. Yeah. I'm- you can live the way, listen, live the way you want to live, but you got to do it right. Yeah. If you want to be a piece of trash, at least be smart about it. That's all we're asking. That's all we're asking. That's like, all we ask. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 simple, though. The people who are really the pieces of trash are the people who are not prepared for it. You know, they, it's like they just don't expect the their free ride to end. They just think they're just going to keep getting away with it and keep getting away with it. And then you hit them with get the fuck out. And then they're like, oh, me? Why? What did I do? Yeah, you'd think that the people doing this sort of stuff would be inherently really fucking good at it. Like... Like, wow, like the Rasputins of the white trash community, you know, where they're, they're just they're just whispering in the ears of all these people, allowing them to mooch off of them. And they're just like, you know, manipulative and they can just get what they want. Usually they're just really dumb. They're not yeah, doing a good th- job. They are. And it's, it's always interesting to me, the people that they manipulate, how easily it's done. It's just it's amazing to me, like how how, uh, you know, it's like little fingers just controlling all the puppets. And they're just these people, <laughs> they just follow suit. They just don't even yeah. they don't even think about it. Well, that has been a lengthy rant on our weird neighbors. That ends this week's episode of Under the Magnifying Glass. I think I'm gonna play some. I think I'm gonna play some like some days of the days of our lives music over that. Yeah, That'll or maybe like some uh, <laughs> detective music. Like what was it? Go Go Gadget Arms, like that guy. Yeah, well, yeah. Pink Panther music. Pink maybe. Panther might be perfect. Be I think we go good. Pink Panther. Okay. All right. Well, the listeners have already heard it because of the magic of post-production. <laughs> Moving on, next we're going to do gaming news. What do we have for gaming news today? All right, so everyone's probably, who at least if they game, has seen it's been, it's been pushed out pretty heavily now. You know, we've got PS5 coming out, we've got Xbox One X coming out, and they're leaking little bits of information a little bit at a time. Um and it just seems like, you know, this is the period of time where people are starting to look because, you know, around like November, October, sometime around there, they're going to release the consoles, trying to figure out if you're going to buy one, which one you're going to buy, you know, which one's going to be better, you know, of course, because, you, you, you know, which one is going to actually have the support from the from, for actual first player video games, because as you get a little bit older, I find you don't have as much time to play online. Like I don't always have the time to dedicate to three hours of Xbox Live anymore. Just don't have it. Unfortunately, unfortunately not. So it's it's you know which which game is gonna which console is gonna come out with the games that I want to play. Um, and my first thought, you know, about it was like, do I even want to buy a console on the initial release? Like last generation, I waited and it kind of paid off for me. You know, I got an extra game added in for free or something like that. And I made sure that there wasn't any like major kinks, like I didn't burn your house down or something crazy or like can just completely get the, you know, a bricked console when they launch it because that's happened before. I was wondering what you think on that. As far as like just having buying initially, like do you buy a console on launch or not? Exactly. Uh, I have to admit I'm the loser that does this every time. So like I had the Xbox one 
delivered to me the day it it literally came out. Like the the the, the U.S. Postal Service dude, or it might have been UPS, dropped it off that morning. <laughs> like it had been out for like three hours, <laughs> like Damn. whatever out means. And I kind of regretted it because it really didn't have anything. It really didn't even have anything good on it. Yeah, there's like not content to play. There's not games yet. There's like no. not enough to where you can just like get it and play a video game for like 24 hours. It's like, you know, like we did it. Probably What was it? What were we like 24 or 23 or whatever it is? The only brand I really believe in buying on initial launch is anything that Nintendo makes. And the, the one reason, hear me out, hear me out. The one reason for this is because on launch, you are either getting Smash Brothers or motherfucking Zelda. It's and, hard to argue with the rationale. I, that's my rationale. I'm not saying it's going to be a great console. I'm not saying it's going to have a long shelf life. I'm not saying the, uh, you know, the motion controllers are going to work particularly well. <laughs> oh, man, the Wii that you're pointing at it and it's off the screen and you spend 45 minutes trying to get that little bar to pick up where you are. Oh God. <laughs> So frustrating. Uh-huh. And Nintendo. We're, it's all in good fun. Listen, we, we know you listen to this. If you'd like to sponsor us, we're down. Just text me. Let me know. Okay? We're down. Yeah, I mean, I'm down. I'm a huge Nintendo fan. Also, you know, I love the Japanese. So just, just throw some money at us. That's all we're asking for. All right. So the one thing that I thought was pretty cool, actually, about the next-gen consoles, though, they're, they're all starting to do this thing now, right? Right. You have an Xbox One, you buy, let's say, like that new Halo that comes out or Cyberpunk uh, or whatever the game is. When the new console comes out, what you're going to get actually with it is they're going to give you the free version of that game for the new console. So they're basically upgrading your game for free. It saves you, you know, 60, 70 bucks, whatever it is. And you get to experience it with, you know, the better graphics on the better console with no additional investment. I thought that was pretty cool, actually, and a really smart idea. That's actually, that is really cool. How does that work? I have no clue. They're, they're getting real creative with this. They're, they're starting to find ways because they realize that there's less of an incentive to upgrade because graphics are already so good. People have a great experience playing online. And, you know, they know that you're, they're going to be asking people to spend another four or five hundred bucks to get to a new console to get marginal upgrade, you know. So I think they're starting to throw a lot of this stuff in to make it, you know, more enticing to, to buy in early. I think that's pretty cool. That's a nice way to do things. It always is amazing to me that we spend 60 bucks on a game that then rolls out DLC for another year or two years. I Once I own the game and I'm playing it, I do kind of tend to complain when they're nickeling and diming me for the season passes and oh this skin and that skin and this gun and that that spray paint thing you can do on the wall that no one gives a shit about. Yep. Like, I do complain about that, but when I when I really sit and think about the amount of time and the amount of bodies that are in those studios creating these games, doing these incredible things, and and the graphical content that's coming out now, where it's just like, am I watching a movie or, or am I, or is this a game? I I, I got to say, sixty bucks, unless the price goes up. Well, see, here's that's a good question. So, do you think that the price of a game is going to go up with the new consoles? Yeah, I think they're going to have to sell the new consoles at enough of a loss. 
even given production size that they're starting to already press out, at least for the Xbox. Um, I think that it's going to be sold at such a loss that they have to make up extra money elsewhere. And I think the games are probably going to go up another 10 bucks. I think $69.99 is going to be the price point. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where how it's like the race to a hundred bucks. Like how quickly can they make up that money? Because they usually sell it at like a 10 to 25% loss on the console and they want to make up that, that money. So they bring in, you know, their in-house, like the Microsoft developers, the same way Sony has their own developers that work just with their console and they're trying to make up that money in that way. Hmm. That's going to be, that's going to be brutal to be spending more than 60 bucks on a game though. Despite what I just said, <laughs> I thought the same thing with the, when it went from 50 to 60, I thought it was outrageous, but look at me now. I don't even blink at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you really want a game and the, and it's a, a quality game, you're going to buy it. Yeah. You look at it, it's like 20 to 60 hours of fun. And then you look at like how much you spend when you go out to eat for an hour or two or how much when forget going out to drink for a night. Like, you don't when you put it in comparison, it's not that much money for the amount of hours you get out of it. But it's just, it's still something about it. That number in front of it just looks painful. Yeah. And the new consoles are, I mean, as of right now, we're looking at 450 to $500, which I don't know. That doesn't really make me blink an eye because I got to say, I bought the previous console for that price. I'm pretty sure I spent $499 on the Xbox One on initial launch. So like when we get to the point where, the technology has improved after five years, but the price point is at the same amount. Like, I don't really have an issue with that. I, I don't expect to spend less than five than half of a thousand dollars on a on a new gen a next gen gaming console. Yeah, and I mean with what they're putting in them now, and I it's it's hard to make the argument that it's not equitable to a, a decent gaming computer because now we're getting solid state drives we're getting you know processors that are really strong we're getting you know a lot of cloud computing involved so that they're outsourcing some of that you know some of the the graphical intensity that's on the device is being hosted somewhere else so it's not as intense and they can give you a better product overall they're doing a lot of things now to make it more seamless i know that the playstation has actually put in an audio processor that's, you know, the same way you put it in a chip in your computer for for high quality audio. They're putting one in there that can really, really handle a, a really in, intense amount of data. So to take the strain off the CPU and the graphics card. So it's it's crazy. The things that they're doing now and fitting in there at the price point is it makes it hard that, you know, why would I spend a thousand dollars on a computer when I can get a very similar experience on a, on a TV now with, with just a gaming console? True. That's true. Valid points on that one. So next on the lineup this week, we have Worth It. In Worth It, me and Kevin pick a form of media that we've been enjoying, digesting, that we think maybe you guys would enjoy as well. So Kev, what do you have for Worth It this week? Okay, so I picked a book that I've been reading and I've actually read through most of the chapters um, in the past and I picked it up again to kind of continue off where I left off and then follow up on a few things. It's called Why We Sleep. It's by Matthew Walker. Um, for anyone who's interested, he did an episode on uh, Joe Rogan Experience. That's where I initially heard about it. But what's nice about it is it's kind of discusses like the, like what I believe is like the great level of humanity. Like we all sleep. Um, we all basically know nothing about sleep and it's just all, you know, 
conjecture what we actually think is pretty much all bullshit. Let's be honest. Like we all think we know something. We really don't know anything. And I mean, I know I, I know I know nothing. Yeah. So it it's a really, really, really good book. It's well written. He simplifies some of the complex um at least scientific parts of it i think he brings it down to a level where anyone can understand it i mean i think if you were like 14 years old and you pick this book up you'd be able to understand all the points he's making across he doesn't he doesn't make it too scientific or try and sound smart in any way which i think is important when you're taking something that's scientific in basis and trying to you know make it easily accessible to everyone that can fatigue the reader for sure Exactly. And it's, you know, it's not a huge book. I think it's like 300 pages total. One of the oh, other things. Yeah. Doable. that I Because yeah. I myself, like I am not, I'm, I'm not a big reader only because it's like, it's a therapeutic thing for me. I tend to fall asleep after a few, like, you know, three to five pages. It's like I read at night and I'll be mm-hmm. out. So like these big novels, it's, it can be daunting. So I like a quick read. Yeah. And the, the other thing that's really nice is he breaks down the book into four segments uh, and then in between those segments, he breaks it down into chapters. So there's basically um, it, it makes it so it's almost like there's a glossary you can access. So the first one's like this thing called sleep and he hits a few points. He goes over, you know, jet lag, caffeine and melatonin and how it hits your affects your sleep. And that's a chapter. And you can go over these chapters and refer back to it at a later point. So if you were curious, if your doctor said, hey, you know, you, you told me you haven't been sleeping. I want to put you on a sleep medication. You could refer back to part four of the book and find the chapter on sleep medication and refer back to it. You can't do that with a lot of books. And you don't have to read through the whole book to get more knowledge on to or increase your understanding of sleep. You can go into these individual chapters to the ones that affect you or you're interested in read them. And it stands alone by itself. Um the other interesting thing is the first four or five chapters in the book. I don't know if this is true, but I've discussed it with a few people now. I think they're written in a manner that actually makes you tired. I think they're almost poetic and rhythmic in the sense where you find yourself falling asleep. Because I, I even discussed this with a doctor who had mentioned the book to me and I had said that I read and we came to the conclusion together. He was like, I, I swear those first couple chapters are written in a way that makes you tired and fall asleep. It's almost like this guy has such an understanding that he, he wanted to like make his point on another level besides just the material. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's next level book writing. Yeah. He, I swear it's like, I, I'm not the type of person who falls asleep in the reading. I'm the type of person that's up until 2am and then realizes and is like, fuck. Yeah. It's like reading, reading for you is like TV for me. Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, get sleepy. I'll let me turn this on. I'm just, my eyes are just like bing, just open, just watching for the next four hours. Exactly. And this book, I fell asleep during the first two chapters, like twice reading before I went to bed. And I, that's not me at all. Like I, I have trouble falling asleep and it put me to bed. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool. I, I really recommend this book to anybody. Awesome. So why we sleep? Check it out. And what's the name of the author again? Matthew Walker, PhD. Now, if you can equate his right, because you read a lot of books, you're mm-hmm. you're a bookworm. Can you equate this particular book to anything else that you've read or anything like that? You know, it makes it really, really hard for me because it's so unique and the way it's written and the way he kind of has the chapter stand as like singularities. Each one is like a book to itself in the way it's written. 
and he does pull back little bits of information from previous ones, but it's so hard for me to find another author who really, I think, in, in my eyes, wrote a book on a complex topic that made it so simple and understandable. I think he really stands alone in this category. That's why I really suggested this. Hey, shout out to him. That's awesome. If if we can equate it to anything else, that can be a great thing as well. Yeah. If I come across anything, I'll let you know. Absolutely. So I've got a little something. I bought a new toy uh, last week. <laughs> I, I, I do, when I do get out on the weekends, um, I enjoy hiking and out, outdoorsy stuff like that. So How does I your bought, new vibrator fit into that, Caleb? I don't, I don't know. Your new toy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help it. My new toy, aside from that, is uh <laughs> this does have a vibrating mode actually. No, I'm kidding. It doesn't. Oh, it doesn't Jesus. It doesn't, I was like, I was like, Damn. I'm gonna get sued. I'm gonna get sued by this company. <laughs> um, <laughs> Allegedly. Alle- allegedly as he gives me the giant quote hands over the skype chat uh so i bought the dj dji osmo 3 phone gimbal last week and if that sounds like pig latin to anyone uh a gimbal is just a series of motors that work simultaneously to keep an item completely level despite where how you're moving or your movements. So what you do with this thing, it's a three-axis gimbal, and it reduces shaky footage. So if you're looking to go out on the trail and you want to get some really cool cinematic style f- uh, photos or videos, this thing keeps your phone completely still. So if you can imagine taking a clamp and clamping your phone into it, and then you've got sort of like this trigger this trigger handle to it with your your controls at your thumb and then a trigger where your finger is, you can move your hand wherever you like. That phone is staying completely still. It's just rotating around the phone as the gimbal and all the motors inside the the actual uh, piece do their job and they compensate for any motion that's happening around the phone. So you get really, really, really cool footage where you can be running behind someone. Someone can can go run in the distance. I actually took some videos uh, this weekend. Someone ran and I actually ran right behind them with the gimbal as someone threw a football and they caught the football. And like you don't get any of that like shaky, jarring, I'm running with my cell phone type of feel to the footage. Not only that, but I think this thing has other applications. If you do, let's say uh, you're a girl or a guy doing makeup tutorials, you can actually set this thing up on a tripod on your desk. You can put it on, flip the camera so that it's on the self-facing camera. You can draw a square around your face and no shit, this thing will sit there stable and follow your face Anywhere you put your face, and when you rewatch this footage, it looks like a human is literally filming you. Meanwhile, you've got both your hands to do whatever you want to do. So if you're a streamer, that would be it'd be great for that. If and like I said, makeup tutorials are huge these days. It would be yeah. great for that. Absolutely great for that. I don't know if maybe your hands getting in front of your face could throw it off. Yeah. Or not. I'm even thinking like anyone who doesn't know me. My girlfriend is super fucking tall for no apparent reason. And when I am around her super fucking tall family, 
Um, and they asked me to take a picture and I have to put the camera over my head because I don't want to take a picture from below them. And I have to reach up with my arms and try and take it. I'm just thinking like it's always crooked. It never looks nice. It's not like a nice level, even picture. Like even me putting my arm above my head, it might help me just keep the the camera level and take like a nice, even picture. Like just the, that's the midget application. That's a <laughs> Hey, listen, this is this is the short cast. OK, if you guys haven't figured it out from us referencing it, me and Kevin, neither of us is over five, seven. So th- this show has the cleverest name of any podcast out there. Uh, I'm just going to shout that out. Shortcast. It's uh, it's 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 a cast of two people under five seven, and we also tend to keep the show at about an hour, <laughs> just to toot my own horn. <laughs> yeah, you definitely came up with that name. I'll give you that one. So yeah, so that that's my that's my little uh, my little shout out for the week. The Osmo uh, Mobile Three Gimbal by dji they make awesome drones my buddy just got a drone the thing is incredible the quality footage you get from that thing um they you can download their app and their app has a bunch of settings inside of it that help you optimize your footage it does slow motion and i'm talking like i I don't have numbers here i don't have a frame number of like frames per second but the slow motion blew me away it was really impressive because the iphone's pretty good this probably is just about on par with the iPhone 11 Pro. And I would highly recommend using it with the iPhone 11 Pro or any Android phone that also has the widescreen functionality. Oh, yeah. Which is like almost all of them at this point. Okay. Yeah. So because when you've got that, like, it's not too much of a fisheye lens sort of thing going on. But when you've got that little bit of warp on the edges of the video that really give you that pushed out look it just takes your filming to the next level so anyone looking to go on some really cool hikes with friends make some some is dabbling in filmmaking check this thing out um just under 150 bucks i think it's right around 140 dollars you can get the osmo mobile 3 combo which comes with the tripod which i highly recommend because that's what you're going to be using if you do the the um the follow the follow mode you'll have to prop yeah. it up on the tripod for that but uh check it out i'm, I'm always down for a, a, a gadget or a toy i mean you know how it is the man with the most gadgets you know it rules yeah rules he, absolutely rules, it's just so. it, it, i mean who doesn't love a good gadget i mean come on guys moving on to our next segment mma say In MMA Say, me and Kevin kind of knock our wooden heads together on a little bit of what's going on in the world of MMA, mostly the UFC, and we just give our takes on some stuff. At the end of the segment, we'll give you guys our picks on who we think might win in the next fight, and we'll probably make a stupid bet together. Currently, we are on quarantine, so he has not received it yet, but I promise you, Kevin is going to get a bottle of liquor of his choice between... 35 and 40 dollars because that's a bet we made on the previous episode he did bet that uh anthony pettis would beat cowboy cerrone yeah yeah i did he was was right i'll I'll be honest though you know it's these judges man it's these fucking judges bro what not, you, they have not I mean, been the greatest. They have they have not. And I mean, I could probably we could probably do a whole episode on the MMA judges, but we're not going to do that today. I'm not going to bore you with it, but th- yeah, the and this time the judges were in my favor, so, you know, 
So he's going to get a bottle. I'm going to post it on Twitter. I'm going to post a picture of the bottle for you guys as a little, a little, little evidence. You know what? I might even take a video when I drop it off to him. I, I'll wear a mask. I'll be responsible. Let's see if we can get I, the gerbils in there. <laughs> yeah. If I step on a gerbil on video, I will not be posting it because I'm not about I am not about the amount of Twitter hate that I would get for posting a gerbil getting stepped on. Peter would be all over you right away. Yeah, I might get sniped by Peter from a mountaintop on, somewhere. On the other hand, our viewership would go through the roof. Yeah, through the, and we're all about that viral viewership. So I might just crush a hamster. No, no, chill, chill, chill. I'm not going to crush. No, we do not. We don't hurt animals on the shortcast, okay? We do no. not hurt animals. We love animals. We love them. So – uh, we're going to go real quick through MMA Say this week. There's there's not as much as there previously was to talk about. Unfortunately, we couldn't get our episode uh, two out in time for the Overeem versus Harris because we actually touched on this stuff, but we're not going to... Uh, we're not going to kill ourselves over that. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover a little bit of the Overeem and Harris fight, and then we're going to go on to a couple other things, and that will lead us to the end of our show. Yeah, so... Um just to do a little Overeem versus Harris recap, it was it was one of those fights where I thought Alistair Overeem, um, I really felt like he stepped up to the plate in a sense to take the fight versus Walt Harris. We covered this in in the episode two point that kind of got uh, you know got tanked because yeah, I was too drunk. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It yeah, wasn't yeah, that, yeah. guys. It yeah. wasn't that. Don't don't play me don't don't play me off like the like the uh, <laughs> like like the, the 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 executive that doesn't let anyone get their creative energies out in the company. Hey, it's the power of the mic. I'll do what I want. <laughs> but um, Walt, you know Walt Harris, un- you know, unfortunately, uh, his his daughter was um, was murdered. You know, I think maybe like six or seven months ago. Obviously, Awful. going into this fight, everyone wanted Walt Harris to win. Um, and you know what? I thought given the the amount of emotions he must have had stepping into the octagon and everything he had to overcome to show up, train, make weight. I mean, they're just showing up for an MMA fight on a, on a normal day is incredibly hard. You know, we've both made weight. We've both gone through the struggles of, you know, the training, you get hurt, you know, you roll your ankle or someone, you know, thinks they're the man for the day and it hurts you somehow and you still have that that event that match that fight that you've got to show up for the fact that he showed up there i was immensely impressed um and he went out and he really showed his his ability to stop a top contender he hit alistair hard with that overhand right and i mean if he wasn't carrying so many emotions into the fight i think he would have won honestly i mean what do you think on that i so we did this in the last episode, but anytime someone loses a family member and especially anything pertaining to some sort of a kidnapping or a murder, it's it's one of the most heartbreaking things that you ever hear about. My heart really goes out to this guy and and, and he was the stepfather. You know, this dude stepped up and said, this is my child now. I I really, really have a ton of respect for this dude, but I also I also have to say, you know, to his wife or are they married or is it girlfriend wife? Yeah, I think they're married. I think they're married. Okay. Anyway, to everyone and everyone in his family, I, my sincere condolences, that is an awful, awful thing. Um, but that being said, I don't really know. I, I can say it was painful for me to watch such a savage, like superhero of a man crying on film leading up to the fight. 
did you see that? Can you, did they show it the same way when you rewatch a fight? Cause I know you didn't get to see it live. Yeah, no, I, I, I went back. I had, uh, you know, I just, I have a uh, ESPN plus. So I just went back. I watched pretty much the whole event all over again. And, um, yeah, no, it was definitely hard to watch. Like the, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know Walt Harris is, I mean, he's got to be six five. He probably cuts weight to make two hundred and sixty five pounds. He's got that superhero build. His shoulders and arms and chest are humongous. He looks like that guy that you don't want to fuck with. And to watch him break down in tears was like heartbreaking. It, oh yeah, it it was it was heart wrenching. I mean, I I was at this point where I was watching. I'm like Jesus. Like I know that this happened, and they want to raise awareness for this, but like. Uh, and it it made it just made me feel a little uneasy in a sense. At the same time, just like you know, are are they like I don't like it being used as a promotion. Yeah, that's my thing. It, it's not. I am never. If I ever talk about a man crying, I mean, I'm sure at some point I'll shit on some guy for crying. I'm sure I will. But this is not the case. I I respect someone that shows open emotion like that. I think that there's a stigma where if a dude's crying, he's a bitch. And I don't, I yeah. do not appreciate that at all. I think some of the most manly men are the dudes that cry in front of someone because at the end of the day, they don't give a shit what you think. If they feel a raw emotion, they're going to show it. Like, yeah, screw you. So seeing this dude break down is, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Whenever someone that is like at the level of a superhero shows their true humanity, it's, it's hard to watch because let's face it, we watch these fights and these, this, this sport to see others, to see people that are not us, to see people that we could never be, do things that we could never do. And when you see that and that you see, wow, this dude, his, he just went through an absolute horrible situation and it's really hurting him. It's powerful. And I really hope, I truly hope they did not do that coverage just, just to strictly put the numbers up or create drama. So I agree with you on that 100%. Now, do I think that it affected his fight? The way that he came out of that gate, I, I, it's really hard for me to tell because part of it, the dude was accurate and the dude had a killer. He was like out to kill. That I can see is a positive. That's a plus to, to what happened to him. He's out there to prove himself, to to fight for her. Like he was doing stuff where he was, you know, fighting. He's like, I think it was some sort of thing going on social media where like he's fighting for this, you know, type of deal, which is like, yeah. I totally respect it. However, on the other end of that, he did, after he got that knockdown and I was like, this, it's over. Like it's over. This dude just went beast mode. It's over. He seemed to have gassed himself out. <laughs> and that was unfortunate. And that's the that's the part where I start to lean into it. I'm not going to I'm not going to make a call on this. I don't feel comfortable making a call on it. I, I really can't tell. I don't know if what was what, but he maybe got a little maybe just got a little too stir crazy and went after it too much. You got to know you got to know your level of, of, of cardio. You got to know your level of long game. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you definitely make a good point there where I definitely feel that he I think that he overexerted himself for sure. I think that part of that, I mean, this guy's a UFC fighter. Uh, maybe he hasn't had a lot of fights outside of the first round because he's such a savage, but he has had some fights go out of that. I think there was a big adrenaline dump. I think when you come out of that event and you think about yourself, like a lot a lot of people don't realize when you're participating in an event like that, you, you have a tendency to think about yourself in the third person to an extent. Um, I think that, 
the thought of him, he's like, I come back from this heartbreak and I win this and and I make it up to, you know, Anya, who's his daughter and all this. Um, I think that that probably passed through his mind and he went in for the kill. I think that if he was to go back and try and learn something from someone, you look at someone like Justin Gaethje, who has that killer instinct for sure and has showed it time and time again, but managed to keep the calm in the storm. And I think that when Walt Harris comes back from this, he's going to be a savage. I think he's going to be hard to deal with. You give a guy with that type of power, that type of motivation, um, and that just raw physicality that he brings to the table, I think comes back from this better, stronger, faster, smarter, and he's going to be a real problem. Yeah, I I do see the same thing. I think that's an accurate description of what we will see when he comes back having that fight under his belt because win or lose people every fight you fight you get better doesn't matter oh for sure every time you like you even when we were wrestling you know sometimes you get caught with a move like uh you know that ankle pick you know uh referring back to something synonymous with my wrestling career that's spladel um (laughs) is a bit of an inside joke in a sense but i mean if you can imagine ripping a man's legs apart in the most brutal fashion possible that did happen to me that's a story for another day youngsters but you know never happened again yeah on to something that's a little bit more comedic and a little bit more on par with the ufc did did you see Connor's Twitter rampage? So I I didn't because honestly, once I saw you throw it in the show notes, I'm like, I'm not I'm not looking at this twice. Yeah, <laughs> this guy. So, so he Connor McGregor is he's just a fucking character, dude. Something about this guy is he's both hilarious and crazy. So he he basically after uh, he's a gypsy with money. Yeah, he is a gypsy with money. He's Let's a gypsy be realistic. Yeah, I mean, Tyson Fury at least admits it. Conor McGregor tries to deny it. That's the big difference between them. That's how you know a true gypsy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. They're, they're trying to pretend they're not a gypsy the whole time. That's that's the thing. Um, But essentially, he just went out and he I, – I don't know how many call-outs he basically made. I think he called out Justin Gaethje. He talked shit about Khabib. Um, he, I think he went at everyone in the top five in the welterweight division, like, or the light heavyweights, like everybody. Like, like for, like for what? Like for what? You know what I mean? Like what? Like, cause he was sauced up for sure. He was sauced up. Just a few sips. <laughs> like I have to taste that, mate. It's, it is the finest man-made Irish whiskey there is on the market. Yeah. He says that, he said that, uh, after... He he uh, is is the demolition man of the 155 division. He's going to go up to 170. Um, he also said, "Oh God," he said some rough shit in context. But basically, he said to, "There's no." He said to Justin, "There's no danger in a man that hugs legs. We all know. Try and dance around with the real threat is here. All you want. I'm going to fucking butcher you. Your teeth. I'm going to put them on a fucking necklace. Speak on my <sighs> skills as a father." You are fucking dead. Now, can we just look at that first sentence? There's no danger in a man that hugs legs. The last man who hugs legs that he fought was Khabib, and he got fucking dominated. He got rocked on the feet. He got tapped out. He literally, and tapped quick. And he hugged he, your, he, dude, oh. Connor, Connor, Connor. He hugged your legs until he hugged your, he hugged your neck. Yeah. And then the fucking match was over. Dude, like, what? 
Yeah. He just, he, oh man, he just completely, he was definitely wasted. And he stepped outside of the realm of reality and just well, started as, talking. As, as he does. Yeah. And, and he just started talking a whole bunch of shit that I think retrospectively just makes him look, I think like less than his actual ability because he, when you start remarking on things that clearly defeated you as like bullshit and not, not real, it just shows that how outside of touch with reality you are. And I think when you're a UFC fighter, you need to be under in a complete understanding of what your weaknesses are. And that was clearly one of his. So for me, that gave me this, this kind of thought, like, if he really feels that way, if he really thinks that there's wrestling is that much of of a joke, then he's never going to be able to step back up to the stardom that he started with. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> the dude makes money like I take shits. Like, it, we'll say what you will, but when the, when the day is done as a fan, okay, what I want to see is I want to see another Connor uh, shoulder shoulder hit win on the next guy he fights. I want to see him sh- shoulder some dude's face twice and win the match for the next fight. Until I see that, easy, easy on that, easy on that. Like, like I don't. Th- <laughs> if he had the fight against Gaethje the next week after what just happened, I don't think he'd be saying any of this shit. No, no, and that's the difference. I mean, you beat Cowboy, who is, don't get me wrong, great fighter, veteran of the sport, holds a ton of records, but he... Yeah, we're Cowboy fans. He's not the top tier of his division. There is a big difference. There's a huge leap in experience and skill level and just like like that insanity that makes up 155. Like there's just this this gap that separates the top three, top four people from everybody else yeah. in all the divisions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I don't know, man. It's Connor, Connor McGregor. He's a character. He's sniffing some shit. It works for him. Yeah. So it, I don't know if you saw, there was supposed to be an event this Wednesday, um, the 20th. It got canceled um, okay. or they pushed it back. Essentially. I don't know. <clears throat> what the reason was but they're looking at doing an event on the 30th i think it's like uh let me see here it's i think it's either i think it might be yeah it's the 30th it's the saturday right before memorial day Yeah. yeah and basically right now the card's not filled so i'm curious to see how it's gonna pack out but one of the main things on that card right now that's going is gilbert burns versus tyron woodley um and it's an interesting fight because you have basically like an up and comer incredible grappling ability like legit world champion bjj like you can't have better credentials essentially than this guy who with heavy hands going against tyron woodley tyron's a five-time world champion i know that your first like real taste of him i would say and at least a long time was when it was, was a bad one yeah it was when usman beat him uh but this is a guy Shout who out has to usman that guy's oh. a beast yeah, he's, Beast. he's I, I would I want to see I I know everyone's going to want to see Masvidal McGregor. I would love to see that can wait. That can wait. I don't think Masvidal deserves deserves that money just yet. I I I think he's he's done tremendously in his last couple fights. Guy's a beast, but I'm not ready for that. I want to see Usman Masvidal because these those dudes fucking hate each other and Usman's just I'm like a huge Usman fan. Yeah. Like I think he's awesome. Yeah, no, he's a great fighter. I, I think I wish he would just shut up and do his job in a sense. I, yeah, he's trying to be this like 
personality and i wish he would just be himself that's my only fault on him he's a the savage he's a he's great trying fighter. to keep up with the joneses of the ufc these days because everyone's got to have that loud mouth personality in order uh-huh. to make money um ever since mcgregor did it you know but um yep. well anyway not to derail you too much so continue with tyron uh, tyron woodley and uh, yeah but tyron's basically you know he's an all-american nca all-american division one uh not many people with better wrestling credentials. His striking's great. One punch knockout power. I think it's going to be really interesting to play out. And I mean, it's one of these fights for Tyron. Like if he loses to Gilbert Burns, his career is essentially over. I mean, he, he becomes a gatekeeper. And, you know, this is a guy who just one fight ago was a world champion. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, not going to make any picks on that right now. There's just not enough of a card. And I... I don't really know what I'm thinking going in yet because uh, I'd have to do a little bit more analysis. But I just think, yeah, but we'll it, touch on it. We'll we'll have yeah, our time. Yeah. There'll, there'll be the week when we're when that shit's going on on Saturday, and we'll talk. It's going it, to be sure. interesting to see for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, do anything else for this week, or that's that's really it for MMA. Say uh, that's pretty much it. The only thing that's worth touching on is you know we might not see the card again in Florida, so we hopefully get better judges. Uh, they want to put it in Nevada, but if it's not open, he said he's going to Arizona. Dana, wait, that is. Okay. So, I mean, everything's a step up from Florida. Dana, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Well, that leads us to the end of this week's episode. Um, what we're going to do, we like to leave you guys with a positive note each week. We we have some fun. We, we poke fun, you know, at white trash and... And all this sort of stuff. But, you know, we we are two positive gentlemen at the end of the day. And we're all in this crazy life together. So the little bit we do know or the little bit that we learn each day, we like to share that. And we would love to hear your guys' weekly uplift each week as well. If you'd like to write into us um, at ShortcastPod on Twitter or at ShortcastPod at gmail.com, let us know some of your uplifting words and we'll read it on the show. But Weekly Uplift, we give you a little a little something to think about. So for this week, I wrote something down, and I the, the brief bit I wrote down was keep an open mind. Um, maintaining a mindset built for seizing opportunities when they present themselves. Every day, we all have our own, our own flow, our own schedules, our own tendencies. We also have our own personalities. We have our own lifestyles. We have our own income. We have our own living situation. All these things affect us every single day in the choices we can make and the things we can afford. However, there is something that money doesn't quite decide, and that's your mindset. So whether you make $300,000 a year or $13,000 a year, You can still have a killer mindset. You can still choose to be open-minded. If you start to think in new ways, you'll be surprised at the opportunities that come your way. Keeping an open mind, it's a broad statement. What I more or less mean for this week's weekly uplift is, don't be afraid to change things up a little. Don't be afraid to chase an opportunity that fails in a week. Don't be afraid to try something that you don't see an end to. Because that's closed loop thinking. If you think to yourself, oh, well, if I do this, well, it'll be over in a week or it won't give me this result. Well, how do you know? You don't. So give it a shot. If opportunity presents itself, go for it. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, unless you're investing thousands and thousands of dollars that you don't have 
in something <laughs> with 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 a with a not, with a non-guaranteed return um there's really nothing to be lost so keep an open mind what can you add to that kev anything yeah so i feel like this weekly uplift it, it it's constantly going to circle back to my career and and you know it's i like i said I'm, I'm in sales it's a constant up and down it's a constant struggle of trying to keep yourself in a mindset where people want to hear from you you know just from just from the cadence and sound of your voice is sounding happier and more positive um back to you know just the day-to-day grind i think when you keep that positive mindset and try new things and you're just basically diversifying yourself in a way that you know allows you to both experience new things in life and it does allow you to not just create new opportunities but when you're presented with them accept them in a more you know open mindset right you want you want to be open to new things in a way where you can evaluate them without the negativity so you might be presented with something and it might be terrible you know you might just pass on it but you need to make sure you're not evaluating it in the mindset where you're just automatically assuming failure that that's the that's the main thing i think that we need to get out of this is you need to ingest it in, in a manner that allows you to see it for what it truly is and not just automatically put it down and, and i mean hey I, i've been that person multiple times throughout periods of my life it's something i'm constantly working on so i think it's great advice and something to just keep aware of you know on a regular basis yeah i think that's a really great point um part of our daily like I said before our individuality some of us are prone to accepting that failure or assuming that failure and you know the old grandmother saying of you know what not to assume things what happens when you assume things you're generally wrong um I tend to fall prey to that myself sometimes you know what I mean and when when you go to do something you haven't done before you think to yourself well what if this what if failure fail why did I say failure like that (laughs) 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 failure sounds like smash bros whatever yeah but yeah so you know cutting that get you know getting ahead of the ahead of your own mental curve and cutting that that feeling of what if failure don't think that way think what if success what yes. if success if, if you think that way and i think that that is a really great point you made because that is the circuitry that a lot of us have it's it just automatically the neurons fire and they don't go down the path of success they go down the path of failure it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to fail you can still think oh what if failure and then you perform and you succeed however if you start with what if success I think more times out of not times, you're gonna, you're probably going to strike success, or at yeah. least, at least that particular job or that particular um, application you put into a place you want to work or something, that will lead you to a success eventually. Yeah, the thing that you got to think of is stop thinking in terms of an outcome that you've predetermined. You just need to start thinking in terms of a what if. Right. Like just what if this happens, you know, stop thinking like what if failure, start thinking what if success. And when you start doing that and keep creating that pattern and start retraining yourself to think in that manner is when you start to find that constant influx of of excitement. And I think it gives you a, uh, 
it gives your your life just a little bit more excitement honestly you know when you're presented with something new even if it's small or minor you know you're a little bit happier about it and when you think what a failure is all the time you constantly find a, a tendency to shoot things down yeah no totally that's been our weekly uplift this week. We'll, we'll kind of do, we'll, we'll simplify it for you. Instead of what if failure, what if success every day? Wake up, what if success? That brings us to the end of this week's episode of Shortcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, seize every moment in between. And remember, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Join us. Ooh.